This episode of Clothes Making Mavens is brought to you by Needle Sharp. Take the guesswork out of sewing with Needle Sharp's curated monthly kits that include everything you need to sew a beautiful garment. Visit needle-sharp.com. This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Welcome to the Clothes Making Mavens. Today we have a fun show where Lori, Barbara, and I got to sit down together over Skype and catch up about what we've been up to and what is on our sewing table. But we couldn't let Barbara escape without getting answers to some tricky questions that have been plaguing us. She gets into how to keep a bias-bound neckline flat, how to get the very best buttonholes, and an easy pant pattern adjustment that was a real aha moment for me. Enjoy! So hi, you two. Hi. Hi, how are you guys? Great. It's so good to be able to talk in person because Barbara, of course, we get you to send us your recordings and we stick them into our show and they're very popular, but it's really nice to be able to talk to you in person once in a while. Okay, thank you. I'm happy to do this. Yeah, this is, this is fun. What have you both been up to lately? Any exciting uh, things coming out of your sewing rooms? I've been sewing nonstop. I did a little pattern testing, which I had never done before. I think that was on my blog for mm-hmm. Love Notions. It was so hard. Oh, my God. Because it was seven different versions in a week. I didn't get them oh, all made. Wow. I only made four. But it was actually quite interesting to see because I wanted to do it because there's been a lot of buzz on social media about how these so-called pattern testers are just fangirls. And, mm-hmm. there's, and with indie patterns, how do you assess the quality so mm-hmm. like critically so I can only test to that company and I know that it's an incredibly rigorous process and really quite interesting so that was my big thing that I've done recently mm-hmm. so what did you learn through the process other than it was a huge uh, commitment I certainly read about that uh, I think one of the things is it's really what I really learned is actually people often blame a pattern for issues that really are inevitable in your body to be perfectly honest with you Mm -hmm. a lot of it is also style so if you have a you know 48 inch waist and 40 inch hips you're going to have fabric that bags out right at the front and so certain styles will be easier to accommodate and, and easier to adjust and you know you don't want to overfit some parts of your body I mean you know if I wore something like completely skin tight like if I wore leggings I wore top over it otherwise I look like a teacup you know or a little or a cup so <laughs> that's like not flattering but it was um it also I did learn how uh, the energy I think in the sewers who support indie patterns and I thought if I was working for the big four I'd think to myself man we're being left behind at top speed even though a lot of big four patterns are great but that community connection just is not there and that's really going to that's propelling sewing right now Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel a lot of affinity towards all the designers that I pattern tested for. I yes. just feel like I know them. I feel like I saw their creative process and yeah. that was really fun. And yeah, and, and um, when I made patterns, I put out two patterns and I have, of course, extreme love for my pattern testers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just 
to this day, I follow their IG, I comment on their, they're my friends. They're, yeah, they're my yeah. sewing friends. Yeah. Mm. So, um, and, and nothing can really replace that. I mean, just a philosophy of life is love is such a big driving force. So if you, mm-hmm. if you love your, your pattern company, you're just going to work so much harder for them. And, um, exactly. Yeah. And, and get the best product out. So I totally agree. I also find that what you were saying, Barbara, about the big four companies missing out on that sense of community. I find when I follow a pattern by an independent designer, I hear their voice in the instructions. Yes. And you can tell the ones that really care that they want you to succeed. They want this to work for you. They give you options for full bust adjustments. They give you options for different Mm -hmm. styles of zippers. They, They walk you through all of those things. Whereas the big four patterns tend to be this sort of, they feel very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of separate and just, here's what you do. There's no real explanation, impersonal. Yeah. For example, I was cutting one out. Um, uh, I think it's a McCall's pattern and it's, and it's a terrific pattern. It's meant for a border print, but I'm not using a border print. And then I noticed all the pieces were printed with the grain line going sideways instead of up and down, which I'm used to. And I thought, I wonder why. And then I realized, oh, that's because they're assuming I'm using a border print. Mm -hmm. But they don't say anything like that in the instructions. Whereas an indie probably would say, like they'd walk you through that. So there's that personal connection when you read the instructions Mm -hmm. of an indie designer, I think. Yeah. So what about you, Helena? What have you been up to lately? Well, I have been sewing up a storm too, um, because my Bernina ambassadorship is coming to an end. And so dun, 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 I have to send my beautiful, um, B350 back (laughs) to Bernina. And so I've been trying to get as much sewn on that, uh, lovely machine as I, as I could before I sent it back, um, this week. So, um, that's been it's been so nice having that machine. So I've sewn on a vintage uh, Bernina my whole life, and I was very convinced that I never would need a new machine. I have a, mm-hmm. an embroidery, um, like a sewing embroidery machine that that's specific, but like why would I need a new machine? Because um, the the vintage Bernina does everything, but um, boy. I've really gotten spoiled by this machine. <laughs> it's yeah. really nice. It's hard to give it up. So what have you is, been turning out on it? Um, I made, uh, some lander pants. I made a muslin horrible fit for me. Like, I don't even know where my bottom is. You guys, like it is to the floor now. Like it's not where it used to be. I'm like looking for it. (laughs) So I had to completely redraft the, the crotch curve on that and then made a whole new pair. It's still not great because I do tend to, um, to kind of be conservative with my changes. And also, I guess I was hoping that my bottom end changed that much, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately, it has. It mm-hmm. really is a different a different crotch curve than I thought. Um, I think I'm going to cut those off to shorts. I think they're still wearable. They're not. Mm-hmm. The other ones were going like they were just cutting into me. It was not. It was not yeah, wearable. Yeah. But yeah. Um, that was a lot of work. But uh, so that was probably two weeks of my sewing. So to give myself a break, I um, made, I wrote down the number. It's the Simplicity 8389. And that is a nice pair of pants that has an elastic 
back ways. Yay! And yeah, yeah exactly. and it's very loose. So Yay. you know, I don't, I don't even know what's going on back there. It's just it's all covered in fabric. It's fine. Um, and are those it, the striped ones so you cute. posted? Yes. Oh, they look yeah. fabulous. They're terrific. Thank you. Yeah, they're super comfortable, and they actually look very chic for elastic back mm-hmm. um, pants. And um, I love wearing. I mean, it's been really hot here. And so they're pants that I can wear because I haven't touched my skinny skinny jeans for quite some time because it's been so warm. So that was a a win at least. I know that everyone loves those lander pants, so I'm still gonna work on it. I did when I tried them on for my husband though. He was just like, <laughs> those those aren't very. I don't know what he he did. He said something very diplomatic, but what he meant was like. Those aren't cute and sexy. Those aren't sexy, exactly. (laughs) What happened there? Like, sorry, sometimes I don't want to be wearing tight pants all the time. (laughs) Oh, well, congratulations on the simplicity ones. They they looked fabulous. We'll get a link in our show notes so people can have a have a look at what you sewed. Yeah, thanks. Mm. And oh also the wardrobe contest right now is happening in pattern review. And that mm-hmm. it's the mini wardrobe contest, right, and that is right. my favorite because, um, you know, I like to get out all my fabrics. There's a lot of fabric that I can get out, <laughs> spread around me. And so I made plans for just a bunch, but unfortunately, I probably won't finish any of them because we're going on vacation. So oh, we're going to be gone. Where are you off to? Oh, we're going to Disney World. Super. Oh, nice. vacation. Your yeah. girls are going to love that. Yeah, and I have been sewing um, bows, you know, Minnie Mouse bows. Oh, great. Yes, so that's – I mean, it's more like crafting, but it it was really fun. Um, And sewing them with my daughter and my niece too, which is really fun. And I just really love sewing with them because they just get into it, you guys. I overthink it and I'm like, oh, what's the best way to do this? And, you know, sometimes those kinds of things are kind Mm -hmm. of engineering you know, how to get it to stand up and look right. And those girls, they just cut it out and start sewing it. And it looks 10 times better than mine. I mean, because they're just so creative and free with yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah their, their bows are cuter than my bows. Um, <laughs> that's sad, but, you know, it's not a competition. <laughs> oh, sure yeah. it is, Helena. You can t- turn yeah. anything I know, I into make... a competition. <laughs> I know I can. <laughs> Even with my fourteen-year-old and eleven-year-old, that's so funny. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be a great trip. So, um, it was fun to sew a little bit for that. Nice, yeah. Yay, it's always great. great to sew for a trip. A uh, lot of pressure yeah. usually, but still something to 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 kind of plan for and reach for is always fun. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not sewing any any clothes, so that um, that helped. Yeah. So, Lori, uh, what have you been sewing lately? So I've been sewing a ton of summer things and I kind of don't want to let go of the summer things because I love sewing them and I don't want to admit that summer is going away here in Toronto sometime very soon. Um, but it is. And and here's... So anyway, one of the things I, I sewed was... Uh, do you know the uh, pattern company from France called DP Studios? Yes. Yes. Have you seen some of their designs? I mean, they're really fabulous. They're kind of a, a little closer to haute couture, I'd say, <laughs> than what you would wear yeah. in every day. Uh, but I really admire their uh, their designs. And so they put out a series of kind of simpler, easier designs 
And one of them was these shorts, and the shorts gather in the front with a paper bag waist. Uh, they're kind of cleverly designed. They're just really open in the front, so you can pull them on, and then you kind of gather up all the mm -hmm. extra fabric and tie them up. Um, and again, that was one of those things where I showed my husband, and he was like, hmm, you know, translation. <laughs> yeah. Those aren't that sexy. But, you know, I feel like a million bucks in them, and they're a bit weird for sure because they... Uh, there's a lot of extra volume at the front and, you know, I've put on some weight around my belly and I'm not usually into kind of emphasizing that, but I don't know, there's just something about them. I'm really enjoying wearing them and it's super fun. So, yeah. yeah sometimes the, the not flattering cuts, I, they're, if they're chic, you know what I mean? Like if they're yeah. kind of anti- um, rules and anti, you know, what we're mm -hmm. supposed to be wearing. You just feel like kind of like a badass in them. Like, oh, well, I can wear what I want and, and I'm making a statement with it. I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. I, get, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And these are sort of, they're very high waisted and also flare out because there's a lot of volume. And so it actually mm -hmm. makes me feel like I've got super long legs, which I don't, but yeah. I put my finger on it. That was it. I'm like, I feel like I've got great legs in these shorts. So. Yeah. Cause if your shorts are, um, have a, a wider circumference, then the legs that are sticking out of them look skinny look and long. Yeah. It's, Absolutely. It's a, it's a good trick. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I've just picked up that trick, <laughs> passing it on to our <laughs> listeners here. Um, but, you know, I have a confession to make to you both. This is confessional time. Uh, forgive Ooh. me, sewing goddesses, for I have sinned. Um, listeners of this podcast will know that Helena and I have been on the ready-to-wear fast since January, meaning that we pledged in January not to buy any. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing Helena's face drop here as I'm looking at her on no. Skype. No. <laughs> so... Right. So winter is coming here in Toronto and, and Barbara, I'm sure you're preparing for it where you are out in Nova Scotia oh, as well. Absolutely. Um, I put on a full extra size when I went on vacation in Italy for two short weeks. I ate my way through <laughs> Italy, but put on a whole extra size. And so none of my jeans fit. And I'm a skinny jeans kind of person, so almost all of them were skinny jeans. And, I mean, I just couldn't even zip them up. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to have to sew some jeans. I'm going to have to get on this. I sewed a pair of pants, um, a, a Berta uh, loose, baggy kind of thing, and they were disappointing. And I thought, oh, no, I'm in big trouble here. Like, I have nothing to wear, and school is starting, and, and fall's coming. So, ladies, I fell off the ready-to-wear wagon. I bought ready-to-wear pants. That's okay. Oh, that's okay. That is okay. Yeah, you guys okay. are awesome. Because I have an announcement, too. <laughs> oh, Helena. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for our vacation, um, I had to buy swimsuits. You guys, my swimsuit situation was dire, and I started making some, and I can't get away with swimsuits that are, like, just – a few flimsy pieces of fabric. I need full cups. I need boning. I need the entire kit and caboodle, like the compression fabric. I need all that. You um, need a full feel. exoskeleton. <laughs> do, I honestly do. I just, uh, I, I did make, I will admit that I made two um, before I finally just cracked and went in got some at Macy's of all places. <laughs> I got a couple. So, um, yeah, my, it was 
I, I try to blame my husband for it because he just was so tired of the complaints and the, you know, the angst over. Yeah. So swimsuits are already difficult. Yeah. I mean, just Absolutely. buying them and dealing with it and, and knowing that that's that's going to be happening. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I... I I just decided that I needed to go buy some swimsuits that I felt good in and comfortable in, and um, and and that is specifically not allowed in the ready to wear fast. Right. So okay. I am also off the wagon. So full of admissions here, Barbara. You do you mix ready to wear in with your wardrobe, or do you sew most of your own? I have sewn everything since I was twelve. So because I'm tall, but I should buy more. Because every, like when you travel and you go into a store, then I think to myself, whoa, you can buy clothes and it's really fast. Like you can. <laughs> yes. I know. How about that? <laughs> like I can, I can find out what it will look like before I make it. I can try it on and say, yuck. And I think I've saved myself four days. So, you know, I, I go through that. So to me, it's a real treat, except it's very hard to find ready to wear that's you want. I know. And I think that sewing spoils you, but I'm yeah, delighted. Picky. Yeah. And I went through a thing. Everybody's sewing bras. Everybody's sewing bras. So I spent all this time trying to sew bras. And then I thought, you know what? I actually buy a bra that's perfect. Why do I feel I have to do it? Right? Because so I'm looking at sewing more in terms of time. And I say, for buying my bras, I have all the time to do the things that I know I can do better. But right. it's a treat. It's like a, it's a, it's like having an affair to go retail shopping. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt. It was so illicit. Yeah, yeah. You can I only also tell felt you. such guilt getting those swimsuits. Yeah. yeah, that's what it's like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I don't think we should feel too bad about this because I think we've still learned a lot from having fasted for a good eight months. It was I was eight months on it. In fact, um, mm-hmm. I went to work the other day. It was the beginning of the school year, and my colleague was there, and she said, Lori, I've been meaning to ask you, how did this, you know, how, are you still on your ready-to-wear fast? And I sort of shamefacedly said, I just fell off it, like, this week. And instead of being like, oh, that's too bad, which I was expecting, she said, good for you. You went eight months. That's <laughs> terrific. And then she said, you've inspired me. Yeah. She doesn't sew, but she has a ton of clothes. Like, and she mm. maybe has a bit of a buying problem, perhaps. But she said, yeah, you've inspired mm-hmm. me. I've decided I'm going to go on my own shopping fast because I need to just shop my closet. And so... I feel like it's it's kind of a win all around. Even though we didn't make it for the full year, I feel like I've learned a lot about my buying habits and also what I like to sew. I'm with you, Barbara. Yeah. I can buy jeans off the rack that fit me, and I don't want to spend the time sewing them. I would rather mm-hmm. spend exactly. two hours at the mall, go get a pair of jeans, and be done with it, and then sew, sew you know, icing, summer clothes. dressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah. I, I've noticed that too, that I really honed in. I, I know that before I had recognized that I don't want to sew t-shirts and I, yeah. I don't want to sew plain things, mm-hmm. but um, this has really made it clear, uh, clearer actually what uh, holes I have in my wardrobe, which I definitely have that blind spot even when I'm shopping at ready to wear. Like I just go and I still buy frosting. Mm-hmm even though I need a navy blue t-shirt so bad. So um, that it, it made it more glaring. Uh, and, and 
I will take that with me. Though I, I feel like I'm still in the spirit of the ready to wear fast. I'm going to stay on it. I just bought the swimsuits and I did have to buy, um, we have matching t-shirts for our Disney World trip because we want to be obnoxious like that. <laughs> so um, I love it's it. like the law there to be like that. So um, I, I bought those uh, to match with my, my, we're going with my brother and sister-in-law's family. So, um, but other than that, I think I'm in, I am going to stick with it. Yeah, me because, too. Because of, yeah, because of those holes that I was talking about before and learning some new skills in that. And, um, and I don't know that I would have tackled the lander pants, um, twice and be sticking with it because I can't, I can usually find pants off the rack too. And I'm just like, and, and because it's a different style and I, we've talked about this in sustainable, um, sewing, I should go to the store and try them on the style before mm-hmm. I start making a bunch of pairs because I don't even know if I'm going to like them once I get the crotch curve right. <laughs> no, it's true. That's very true. Yeah. Such a different style for me. So yeah, we can, we can soldier on, we can do it. Okay. So we all feel better about our transgressions. <laughs> I've been absolved. <laughs> so Barbara, we uh, brought you in today to catch up and also because we want to mine your sewing wisdom. So we have a bunch of questions and we're going to invite our listeners to think about questions that they might have for you for a future show when we do this again. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm being very selfish. I've had all of these issues come up with my sewing lately and I wrote them down. I'm going to ask Barbara about this. <laughs> So shall I launch into some of my questions then? Sure. Great. You're ready? All right. So one of them is when you're sewing a curved seam, like a princess seam or an armhole, you you know that you have to clip or notch the curves, Mm -hmm. right? And so you put a notch in the curves when when the seam is on the inside of the curve so that the, uh, so that the, excess fabric in the seam can Mm -hmm. kind of come closer together without bunching up yes yes and when the seam is on the outside of a curve you stretch it clip it so that the excess fabric can spread so I've got that down but my question is how the heck do you finish those seams so I might have surged them ahead of time to finish the edges, but then I'm going in and clipping and I'm thinking, was there a point to surging this or, or do you clip them first? And then is there some magic way to finish those seams once they've been clipped? Probably you've got to go old school. And what I would do is I would do a line of straight stitching with a short stitch length, like maybe uh, like one and a half. Like, so you have little short stitches in the seam, so you cut through those, but they're going to be so close. Because you've got to remember, sewing machine stitch is a lock stitch. It doesn't come apart. It has to be unpicked. So if you run a line of stitching, even if you're clipping through it, almost like a stay stitching, but a smaller stitch, then that will hold it. So that's one thing you could do. Uh, you can also pink them. Yeah, okay. picking shears. Is that what you do, and Helena? Then- yeah, pinking shares, but also on princess seams, almost always it's like a dress or something a little more formal. It's contained. So it gets lined. Yeah, it gets lined. But if you have yeah. a situation where it can't be lined, I, I personally would make sure I did the line of stitching because I know whenever you cut through surging, you think I'm crazy. I, I know how you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It ruins my beautiful, nice finished edges. I know. I know. <laughs> Good advice. 
Um, another issue I've had lately, uh, I made the um, Adele top by Seamwork. Uh, yeah. And it's a, it's a cute little blouse with a V-neck and it uses um, a bias facing around the edge of the neck. And I had some issues with it sticking up a little bit. I have this issue every time I use uh, bias tape facing on necklines where it just wants to sit a little bit proud of, you know, my chest and my own neckline. So how do you get a bias bound neckline neckline on a woven lying flat? Well, what you need to do is because it's bias is you shape it before you put it in. Was that a V-neck? Did you say? Yeah. So how did they you I don't know that pattern. Have well, you it used actually it? So buttons, how did they do the v? So they had the, the oh, okay. so the bias uh, just ended at each uh, where it buttoned up but went around the entire back. So around the curves of the shoulders it was sort of sitting up. Yeah, on a okay, on a V-neck like that, you want it straight here. Um where your line is straight, but you're going to want to curve it around the neck. So you're going to want to stretch it, but you can't stretch it at the machine. You need to shape it. So classically what you would do sounds nuts. You actually lay your pattern on an ironing board and then you take the bias and you shape it and you press it and shape it right to that same curve. And that way you act because it will stretch out. You can get the inside of the, of the fabric smaller, the outside stretched out. And then you have actually created the shape that you just then put in. With wow. the iron. Okay. With the iron. So you shape you shape it with the iron. So if you're doing it in mm-hmm. an armhole, that's something where people always have a lot of trouble. Is mm-hmm. I <laughs> sorry, are you getting a lot from my little illustration here? I know. <laughs> we really appreciate your um your arm hand motions yes. and but your you, yeah. <laughs> I talk with my hands. I'm terrible on video because I'm always flapping my hands. But so you would press it and shape you would actually try to replicate the curve. You move, you steam it into that curve and then apply it. Because once it's, you can't do it at the machine, you can't press it after. And that's, it's wonderful to do, even if you're skeptical, because it's magical and you think, oh, I'm so smart. So that's why you should try it so you feel smart. Nice. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. I remember seeing that in um, a class, a craftsy class on facings. I think it's like facings and yeah. Yeah. And I tried it at that time and then completely forgot about it. So I'm glad you reminded me because it did work really well. That iron is such a tool that, yeah. And we don't use iron. So we don't use irons to shape. And that's, I'm like, I'm speaking at the uh, opening of the vintage sewing machine museum in Tulsa, Oklahoma in April. Wow. Fun. Sort of a conference there, and I'm doing a talk on the difference between a vintage sewer and a modern sewer. And so, I mean, think about this: and vintage sewers use their irons as tools, and mm-hmm. we think we just are flattening everything. Mm-hmm. So that whole concept of shaping uh, and steaming is really what you're doing is you're moving the flat into it, the shape it needs to be before you start attaching pieces, and it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I used to joke about ironing the crap out of stuff to to get it yeah. to behave, but that's actually a legitimate tool. I thought it was you just iron- me covering up all my design no. problems. You you iron before, mm-hmm. so you have to press less later. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm going to try that. So have you had this issue where your elastic waistbands won't lie flat? I feel like that's a universal 
early sewer career issue. You put in an elastic waistband, they twist, they turn, they won't sit straight. A lot of pants I've made, I end up having to adjust them every time I put them on. So what do we do about that? You mean, you mean they spin around in the casing and the elastic folds? and Yeah. Well, there's a couple of solutions with that. One of them that nobody really wants to do is you use non-roll elastic. If anybody, and there's the ones that's like corrugated, whatever, like iron, and they're not comfortable. But if you get the one that actually has little boxes woven into it and it says non-roll, it won't bend in half. And that's a big start. That's a big help to start with. And the other thing, of course, is to uh, rather than I don't really like casings. I like to do you know, an alternative for that reason. I mean, you can feed it in, get it right, and, you know, do a stitch in the ditch and all the seams. I mean, that's what everybody says, but I don't know. I still like a little bit of movement there. So I actually, if I can, like a treatment where I can stitch it in and then flip it over and top stitch it down. It's good if you can attach it somewhere. And I I actually wonder about the whole concept of casings. Lately, I've been putting yoga bands on everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, as an alternative so and I made a pair of woven pants and I happened to have a really uh, heavy duty ponte with beautiful stretch beautiful quality and I actually made a waistband out of that and stretched it and stitched it down and it was so comfortable and so smooth and of course two layers of ponte it didn't have all of that so oh. I'm in a new thing now about sewing for comfort mm-hmm. yeah. uh and I think that's really important. And I think, you see, if you have a drawstring, a drawstring isn't a casing because then you can adjust it, right? And I'm, I'm beginning to suspect that elastic shouldn't be in casings, that you yeah. either should have stitched in elastic or you should, you know, use some kind of alternative. And I mean, an elastic, you can't always just stitch right through it. That's the other thing you can do. Yeah, you can just, the Anima pants from Papercut. They have a really nice instructions for um, stitching through your elastic. So you put it kind of in a casing, but then you stitch it twice, and it just looks sharp. I yeah, channel casing. Yes. Yeah, and if I could go run and get a, a pair of pants that I did it with, that's what I would do. Oh, I use a really wide elastic for high mm-hmm. waist pants, and I think I did three rows of channel stitching. It's a little challenging, like you you know yeah. feed it through the machine like that. But I would do that. I'm I really. I think I've kind of eliminated just elastic encasings as they are spinning around inside for that reason. But that's my advice if you want to do it. Great. Okay. And then I have some trouble keeping the, when I am uh, stitching along the elastic, uh, you, you said like sometimes you need to do it three times to cover a wide waistband. Yeah. Just keeping it straight. I mean, that's pretty basic stuff, but I have trouble keeping it straight while still st- stretching the elastic yeah, to stretching, match yeah. the width of the fabric and then keeping those, those lines of stitching straight. Well, there's two things. Do you use clips or do you use pins? Uh, generally pins. Use clips because pins aren't strong enough. So when you start to stretch it, they'll wobble around. But a clip is much stronger. So I like if I do kids clothes and I do elastic, then I'd, I'd use clips. The other thing, particularly if you've got something wide, like a, <laughs> like a little wide, and you want to make sure they're even and you, know, you can't really see, is if you have a... A quilter's bar for your machine. People don't know about those or forget about those. They Every machine has it as an accessory. It's just like a little straight bit of metal with a bit going down there. And 
Basically, it is a, uh, a stitching guide that you can put on the top of your fabric and you just move it around quite, you know, you just slide this thing around, screw it in where it is, and that will give you a stitching guide when you can't see anything on the bed of your machine. That's, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. You have one? Brilliant. Yeah, I often wondered about that. How do you, what do you use as a guide when you're sewing sort of in the middle of a oh. big piece of fabric? Yeah. Yeah, it's they're fantastic. Yeah, you got to get that thing out, and it's like completely as low tech a tool as you can get, but it's wonderful. Great. Okay, so we'll try to maybe get pictures of some of the these, like yes. the non roll elastic mm-hmm. and what that looks like. I have seen it now that you've described it. It's got the little boxes, uh, little yes. rectangles all along the the length of it. We'll maybe put some pictures and some links up about what these things look like in case people haven't used them before. So let's take a moment to mention our beloved sponsor of this week's show, Needlesharp.com. Needlesharp puts together the most beautiful sewing kits that contain everything you need to sew something up. And I so look forward every month to the announcement of what that month's theme is going to be. So the theme might be pencil skirts, or it might be jackets, or it might be shorts. So it's always exciting to see what's coming up. But did you know that you can also buy fabric yardage at Needlesharp as well? So if you don't need the pattern or all the notions, you can still choose from their gorgeous fabrics. Or if you do need a pattern and just want to make your own fabric pattern pairing, they also stock a nice selection of indie patterns. So check out needle-sharp.com and get 10% off your first order with the code CLOTHESMAKINGMAVENS. All right, so I have um, finally leveled up a bit and started sewing a few things with buttonholes. I mean, I had sewn stuff with buttonholes in the past, but I kind of had it in my head that they're a pain in the neck and didn't want to do them. Anyway, lately I've sewn some things with buttonholes. So what are your tips on buttonholes in general? So for example, how would you make sure to place them so that you avoid any gaping at the bust? Um, Are there rules of thumb about how far apart you generally should space buttons depending on the garment, that sort of thing? Like what what are your tips and tricks for buttons? Well, for buttonholes, um, the rule, well, you know, to get the whole bust thing is you put that one first, right? You pin it on and make sure there's a button closing right over, you know, where you're across your bust line. Generally, the spacing depends on the weight of the fabric and the size of the garment. So uh, it would go from about three and a quarter inch apart, like for men, you know, if you're measuring from the end of one buttonhole to the end of the other, to about in a code as much as four or even five inches. So it's all proportion. And I think often that we're wondering why things don't look right. It's because we forget that. So if you put coat buttons on three and a half inches apart, it will look terrible. And of course, the more it's got to be closed to the body, uh, and the more you don't want it to have any movement, the closer they are. Whereas in a coat, you want a little bit of movement. My most important buttonhole trick is loosen your upper tension. That's so important because the lock stitch, which is like this, you actually want more thread on the top. So the lock stitch will go underneath the fabric and that will give you a nice smooth satin stitch on the top. So if you leave your tension at a four, I would move it to a three or if you leave it about like that. So make sure that you can see the lock on the underside and that will really improve it. 
People often worry about spaces between it. The other thing is to change your needle so you don't skip because people put buttonholes on at the end of a garment and the needle is dull. Right. So they mm-hmm. will get a good buttonhole and then it will skip. And I had a friend who always, he when they say change your needle, anytime he did buttonholes, he always put a new needle in before the buttonholes. So that got the fresh needle. So that way you won't get skipping. And the other thing is a thread. Thread makes a huge difference. And I'm actually on a little bit of a thing right now with thread. Um, your Goodman polyester thread really doesn't give you the best buttonholes. Your best buttonhole is 100% like smooth finished cotton. And if and that might be hard to find. So if you go to like a local fabric villa or Joann's, you look for a machine embroidery cotton thread. And it's a little fuzzier. And it'll be a little fuzzier and a little shinier, which will make a prettier buttonhole. And the fuzzes will fill in the hole so you will get a nicer looking satin stitch. Hmm. Cool. So those are those are things that I would do to start. And and what machine you know you use? I like a mechanical buttonhole best. And you know the old vintage buttonholers are great. Or even a less expensive. I've been testing an ever was it ever sewing machine, and which is a lovely machine actually. And they have an old style mechanical buttonhole that has a lever down, so it sews the buttonhole, hits the lever, can't go any farther. And then it turns around, and that gives really consistent buttonholes, mm-hmm. better than my computerized machine did, actually. Interesting. Yeah, my uh, it's a modern machine. It's a brother, but it does have that little lever that you pull down, and it hits a bar. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great tool. It's, it's pretty, yeah. um, very, very reliable, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about interfacing on button plackets? Ah. Uh, well, first of all, make sure you think about the color because you're going to cut the buttonhole open. So if you have a navy blouse use white interfacing, you're going to have white interfacing scrap showing through. So, And if you can't measure it, you can actually do it with marker, you know, or try to fix it later. Sharpie, that's smart. Yeah. Yes. Sharpies um, to the rescue. <laughs> and I think generally I use a lot of different weights in a garment. So I, would, I always would use a lighter weight woven in the buttonhole area because it's easier for the machine to go through and stabilize it. Uh, and I, I use a fusible or a non-woven, but definitely, I mean, or a fusible or a sew-in, but definitely I would go with a little lighter weight. You do not ever want to put the same interfacing in your button placket that you do in, say, a collar. It'll be too stiff, and then you'll get a cardboard thing going on. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Yeah. Have either of you ever ruined your buttonhole by trying to clip away those tiny little threads oh yeah 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 all the time and the trick for that is to put a little fray check on before you clip it right i have a tube of fray check it's ancient but yeah that is uh so it's just basically almost like a glue that you just stick around the edges that you're going to cut yeah just actually take a little because you don't want to blob it on so like blob it on a thing and then take like a toothpick and just do a little line and then you can relax you know and you put a pin on either side so you don't cut through the stitches but if you fray check it and let it dry beforehand then if you clip one of those threads you don't you know you won't have a fit right right what do you use for for slicing open i I, there's an actual tool but i don't know i it seemed to me that that seemed like a tool i didn't know i needed until i saw it um i use my um my stitch ripper 
What do you use? Yeah, uh, it depends if I have to get up to go find something. <laughs> uh, I do have that the little uh, chisel, which is good, except it's only one very specific size. Right, yeah. and there's and there's always a scary moment where you think, eh, what if I like have it the wrong? But it actually gives a nice clean cut. Mm-hmm. Gen- generally, what I do is I use the seam ripper to get a hole, and then I have a. Taylor points, really, really sharp little scissors that I use to cut it. Mm. That's what I do too. What about you, Helena? Have you run into any issues lately that uh, <laughs> Barbara can help out with? Yeah, how do you fit a crotch curve? <laughs> well, <laughs> I need a whole pants intensive on that, I think. Okay. I also made um, my pants out of pretty heavyweight material because yes. it's supposed to be a, a non stretch. So I picked a pretty heavy denim. I was excited about having the structure, right? Because I feel like um, yeah. I want to be held in a bit now. Yes. But um, it made it harder to, to get that fit right. So, What was the fitting problem? I'm teaching a fitting class tomorrow night. On, I'm sure pants will show up. So what was your fitting problem? Uh, my, my crotch seam is going up my bum in an uncomfortable way. Oh, that's easy. That's a, you need a clown butt. Uh, alteration. Yes, a clown. That's exactly what I need. <laughs> Let's always call it that. That's but, how, exactly yeah, how I feel about my bottom lately, you guys. <laughs> no, no. Listen, listen, don't worry. Nah, don't worry about those things. Yeah, forget about it. Forget about it. Just take that stuff off. Okay, you see what happens also, and I really saw this advice over and over again in my little pant testing experience, is people have that problem. They keep adding more. They add, you know, they keep uh-huh. making this wedge, which just gives them more and more, but it's still cutting. All it is is... You've got to just cut that out and just move it down. Because what is happening on this, like, what is happening is the crotch curve is coming in higher than you are. Yes. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you add, wherever you add it, it's not going to make any difference. So you just cut a little box about three inches above, three inches below on that crotch, and you just move it down a little bit. So all you're doing is putting it, you're just lowering it. And you're okay. not you're not changing the curve, and it's the easiest yeah. alteration to make. I think it's on my blog, or you can probably search it. It is so it's it's like magic. It also eliminates because a common sort of a partner problem with that is people find that they get this kind of wedgy thing, and at the same time they get baggy fabric underneath the back. Yes, the that's exactly like, what I have. Uh huh. Okay, that so, was what my husband's uh, complaint. He's like, what's going on down there? <laughs> how come you, how much? So all it is, you see, is you just need to, because your, your bum wants to move down into that extra fabric, but it can't. Mm-hmm. So you just move it down and then that will eliminate two problems. Yay. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Pair number three and coming up. And it's technically called a clown butt adjustment? Well, they, they did. And I actually, I haven't looked at a clown's butt in a long time, so I had no <laughs> idea what they were talking about. But it's just a, just move it down. Now, then the question, of course, is what does it do to your front, you know, seam? If it's about like a half an inch difference, you can probably stretch it. Or, you know, you might have to play around with, the, you know, the front seam to match a little bit. Okay. But it's mm-hmm. honestly, you'll be so happy. I'm already that. happy that I have an because I, I tried the um what I tried is the foil method where yes. I just thought the curve was wrong. And yes. so can you I, explain I, the foil it, method, Helena? Sure. You take a piece of foil and you um kind of crumple it into a snake 
and then use that uh, over your leggings or your underwear from your front belly button around through your legs to the back over your bum. So you can um, basically get a mold mm-hmm. of that curve of what would be comfortable for you. And I did make some adjustments due to that, and it did lower things in the back because that's that's what my issue was. Um, but it didn't – it didn't – when I went <laughs> – you know what it is? It's because I didn't – I don't think I knew how to make the adjustments. Once I had the right, mold, right. I'm like, okay, well, now I have this mold. How does this – I mean, I put my pattern together and I looked at how those two, the front crotch seam and the back mm-hmm. crotch seam, how – what shape they made. And I tried to make that shape. But then I did have to add fabric to the um, – take some out the back, put some to the side, um, and yeah, it – put it together and it, it didn't, it didn't give me the, the, cause the you place. had the, you had the shape in the right place. Listen, I'll tell you a great trick to understanding crotches. There are two places in the body that this happens, your crotch and your armhole. So if okay. you had a, if you had an armhole that was basically giving you a wedgie under your arm, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you would, you would know what to do. You would just move that armhole down. Yes, right? I totally would. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Right. That's if you think if you're having trouble interpreting it, think if I was looking at an armhole, what would it tell me? Okay, thank you. That's great. That is really helpful. It's sometimes hard to wrap our minds around the 3D nature of pants fitting. I remember the first time I made pants, they were sort of too baggy, so I simply took in the side seams and I was used to doing all my alterations that way. Yeah. Oh, I can just take in the side seams or but then when there was something wrong with the crotch depth, I sort of I went to go to my machine to and I was like, "Oh, wait a second. That's not going to do can, it." And then suddenly my mind was it, blown. Yeah. <laughs> We're working yeah. in three dimensions now. Yeah. yeah. And I was on a, a Facebook group, a sewers Facebook group recently. I can't remember which one, but uh, somebody was, we were talking about fa- pants fitting and somebody joked that she needed an MBA, a uh, massive butt adjustment, she said. Right, right, right. <laughs> Cute. But, but women are so negative about their bodies. It's like, it makes me crazy. Yeah, because bottoms you put, in particular are, are, yeah, are a, t- like, a touchy subject. I don't know why that is. And I have, yeah. um, I try to really stay positive about the rest of my body. And, and I would never let my daughters hear me say anything like that about my body. But then, yeah. between you guys and however many listeners we have, um, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you, I'm not happy with my bottom lately. And, and yeah, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. It's not going to feel the love if I'm if I keep uh, bashing it. I think no, the problem is I, the yeah. change is hard, right? I mean, yeah, bodies are changing over time, and you get used to your body being a certain way, and you know you self-identify with with how <laughs> your body is, and so when that changes, it's really hard to understand how to feel about that, or what to do with it. Is it good, bad? Is it better? Is it worse? But it, there's yeah. improvements. Mm-hmm. People need to talk about that. Like when you get older. Okay, you might get a belly, but you know what? You get boobs too. Like you know, <laughs> you need to you need to look on the bright side of all of this. And I think yeah. that you know, I think that's really important. Yeah, 
I know that's good advice. A friend of mine at work said to me the other day, because as I told you, I put on a whole size this summer and that's actually quite unusual for me. I'm just one of these lucky people that I just maintain the same weight and shape for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm 47 now, so I guess it's time for the reckoning, right? I can't eat my way through Italy for two weeks and not put on a size. So I did. Uh, And a friend of mine at work said, you know, you just look so curvy now. And I thought, thank you. That's great. You know, like instead of thinking of it as a, oh my, this is awful. I've put on weight. I mean, there's the issues of having to update your wardrobe to fit, but once you're past that, it's sort of like, this isn't necessarily a problem. You know, it's just different. Could be a a new, yeah, a new experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think that's really important to enjoy all of the, to enjoy those changes. Great advice, Barbara. I love it. All right. I'm checking my, my list here. Um, Okay, so how come you can't just add length at the hem of a garment instead of having to mess around with those, uh, you know, lengthen or shorten here lines, which sometimes come on a pattern, sometimes don't? Well, it depends on the style. I mean, if it is, if it's a pocket, if it's a square, if it's a box, you know, yes, you can. But if there's any shape, then what you do if, you uh, retract or extend those lines, you're actually changing the angle. I actually don't use lengthening in shortened lines, and I do lengthen everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I use, and actually it's in my book, but you can find, like this, the slide method, so anybody can search it. So what you do is, I, for example, to lengthen a skirt, I cut, I lay it on the pattern, and I cut only the, uh, say, the hem, I just cut that. And then on the side seam, I put a little pin and I just move then the hem up to say two inches. I just slide the pattern up to the two inches and keep cutting. And that maintains the shape. It also means you don't spend your time slicing and dicing your pattern. Mm. So I think that's really important. So if you have an A-line skirt and if, you know, like this, see, well, actually we can actually do this with our hands. But, you know, if you add length, you end up, (laughs) you know, you're going to end up with this, Right. I mean, it's just it's not just going to work. It's just going to keep flaring out at the bottom if exactly. you add extra length to an A-line. But where if I cut the hem and then just slide it up, I can add length, but I've kept the shape. You don't lose the design shape. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's is, how is that different from the length and shortened lines? Well, the length and shortened lines mean you have to cut the pattern. Oh, yeah. You just don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I also think sometimes they're not in the right place. So if you want to, I mean, they might have it in the middle of a skirt and maybe you think, or with pants, for example, uh, like knee position is really important in pants and for people yeah. forget, people forget knee level is really key. So if you add to the bottom or, you know, often the length in the shirt and line will be above or below the knee position. And actually you might find you need to cut up to, you know, cut up to the knee and then, you know, move it up from there. So I don't really like to choose to follow someone else's decision about where I need it because we all have, people have short legs and long torsos. Mm-hmm. You know, people have low knees and high knees, you know, so. Yeah, that's that's really good advice because I was just talking to a petite friend of mine who um, says that she's like, oh, there's a new thing out that's petite short and she was so thrilled about this because it wasn't just that she's small, but that, um, that short really 
changed where the knee hit on the pants because she kept Huge having these problems, especially in these skinny jeans that oh. are supposed to fit in a certain way. You can't move the knee and have it look right. No, and short people, we've all seen particularly older women who are short who chop their pants off yeah. and they, they all end up stuck in clots, right? Right. The proportions so, all off. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. I always, I buy ankle length, so-called ankle length pants, and they're full length on me. So yeah, I always look a bit uh, stumpy that way when you don't have the right proportions on the, on the pant leg. Yeah. So we can, we can change that as sewers. Yeah. We can do it exactly yeah. right. I love that. Yeah. It's our superpower. We can do that. So I have this skirt. It's a ready to wear skirt, Barbara. Yeah. And um, I love it. It's gorgeous. It's too small for me now. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just do a quick fix on that. Um, and the waistband, however, doesn't have any seams in it at all. It's one one continuous piece of fabric around the waist. Uh, so I have a tiny bit of leeway at the back zipper, and that's about all I have. Any advice for enlarging a waistband that really doesn't have any place to enlarge it? What's your hem allowance like? Uh... I've got about an inch and a half on the hem. Well, you, you, how much extra fabric do you need? Can you take it out of the hem? Okay. Yeah, maybe I could do that. And if you're real, I've just did this involved, like, basically this with a, for a vintage dress for my daughter-in-law. And so the oh, she said, can you add to the bodice? And there's, like, no fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did is I actually cut the whole hem off which gave me a nice chunk of fabric to do what I had to do. And then I sewed a false hem onto the hem, which is basically a kind of a matching bit of broadcloth that I stitched and then folded up. So I actually had something. Because sometimes if you make a hem allowance too short, it's not going to hang right. Mm-hmm. So then I sewed on like a two-inch piece of broadcloth on the bottom. I had like a false hem. And then I had this nice big chunk of fabric to work with. So that's that would be my first impulse. Okay. And tell me a little bit more. I know you've talked about this before, but the idea of how deep the hem should be depending on the shape of the, the dress or skirt. Okay, the narrower the skirt, the deeper the hem. The wider the skirt, the narrower the hem. So if you have, that's to get the right weight. So, for example, if you have a straight skirt, you're looking at about two inches, two to two and a half inches. And that will give it a nice weight. If you have a straight skirt, which is structured, it's all about matching, really, all these things. So if it's very structured, then you want to have that amount to kind of maintain the the structure. If you put a little hem on that, it's going to look small and ridgy, and you're not going to have, you're not going to match the structure of the fabric. Like a straight skirt is a heavier fabric, typically. So a heavier fabric will need that deeper hem as well. But if you try to put like, a, you know, a five-eighths or an inch or two-inch hem on something floaty, it's just, it's going to weigh it down and you won't have the float. So that's just kind of a rule of thumb. And that's, I think, really important because a lot of stores have a, their hem, like a, an inch and a half they do on everything. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm guilty of that for sure. Yeah. I am and, too. and so a coat, I would do a three-inch hem. Like if I have a wool coat, I would definitely do a three-inch hem. So it's all about proportion. You have to say, am I dealing with something small and light? Then all my components have to be small. Small hem, closer buttons, lighter interfacing. Oh, okay. It's a great way to think of it. 
Top stitching close to the edge. Heavier fabric, top stitching is farther from the edge. Stitch length is longer in heavy fabric. It's smaller in fine fabric. Oh my gosh, that just clarifies a lot. That way of thinking and approaching things really is helpful. Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. This is why we have you here, Barbara. This is great. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying so much. And we'll invite our listeners to go to our website at closemakingmavens.com and submit your questions for Barbara, because I hope you'll be able to do this with us again sometime. It's really great to talk to you in person and get this advice. Well, thank you very much. I love this. Yay. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, Barbara. We'll say bye and talk again soon. Wonderful. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.